for this podcast. Welcome to J-Guys and Jedi. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode of Star Wars Rebels. In this episode, the Ghost Crew must escort Senator Mon Mothma, now wanted by the Empire, to a meeting that can change the course of the galaxy. There will be the return of Long Nekma, a nebula explodes, and we see a historic moment in the rebellion. We're talking about secret cargo this week. How you doing, Chris? Doing good. How's quarantine life treating you? My life is uh, well. I mean, it's o- only different insofar as I guess I can't shop as in as many places as I could have before. But I don't shop in a lot of places. Oh yeah, you're. But otherwise, I'm working. I'm I'm essential. I'm essential employees. I forgot you're in opposite world. You actually went back to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and you know, restaurant life is really busy lately. Mm-hmm. It's it's amazing. So, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty much my my life is about the same. <laughs> I'm 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 not a very I don't go to bars or anything like that, and uh, um, I'm gonna miss going to the movies, but. Yeah, generally it's not affecting it's not affecting me like it has. Uh, I had like I had like three or four months of of uh, my experience with it because my job closed down before this all happened. <laughs> so I, I sort of got the no income thing happening leading up to this, and now I'm back on track. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I think doing okay. I kind of feel like I'm stuck in a never-ending weekend. Because yeah. lately I've been doing all the things I normally do on Saturdays and Sundays, which because I, I usually I don't go out that often either. Let's let's not call it stuck in. <laughs> hey, who wants to be stuck? Oh my God, stuck in a never-ending weekend. Well, the thing is, well, is that like I don't I kind of miss going to work <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, it's been fine. Um, my friend Francine is currently quarantined because her her boyfriend tested positive. So I went and I bought them groceries. And, like, we had, like, almost like a black market deal where I arrived at their house and I called them. And I was like, okay, I'm outside. I'm going to put yeah. the groceries on your porch. And they were like, okay. So I came up and I put all the groceries on their porch. And then I, like, moved away and I called them back. And I was like, all right, the groceries are on your porch. And they came out and waved at me, and I was like, "Feel better." Yeah. Um, that's that's how it's gonna go when I have my uh, <coughs> <coughs> puzzle and board game uh, trading, or I don't know trading, because I don't really care for puzzles and board games. But I have a garage full of puzzles and board games that I'll probably give out to people I know. But I'll like meet them in the backyard, and I'll have I have this like 
grill that's kind of the size of a table and I'll just set it on the grill and be like, there you go. <laughs> Actually, dude, I, I was reading uh, that board games are currently booming and they're just as empty on shelves as like food and toilet paper and stuff. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. I should be I should be putting my puzzles and board games up on eBay. I've noticed nobody's really doing anything on eBay. I don't think people want to spend money, but yeah. I'll bet you they're just like out of the like, well, I mean, you can't go to the stores that sell them anymore. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And then um, I've been playing a lot of Animal Crossing. I was actually playing Animal Crossing the other night with Dave Walker uh, from the podcast, two, fellow Two True Freak Dave Walker. We were running around my island together. And then, yeah, and then last night I had a Skype date with Billy. Uh, she and I were Skype video Skyping and watching the finale of Steven Universe Future together because I had seen it, but she hadn't. So, yeah, it's it's, it's been interesting because normally I would watch that with Billy in person. And it's so weird because she lives only five minutes away from me. Um, but it, so it was kind of odd having to have to Skype her because that's normally something we do in person together is watch stuff together, even though she's five minutes away. But you know, I'm getting by. I'm doing the thing. I'm working on Geeky Girl Experience a lot, so it's yeah. doing good. Had a Zoom conference call with actually with Francine, um, talking about the website and how we want to grow it. And now is the time to really do that. That's for sure. And yep. there's gonna there's gonna be a boom in the next few months for uh, content like that. So. <laughs> yep. Well, Chris, before we get into the episode, as I said in the opening, I called Mon Mothma by Long Nekma, and we haven't we haven't had Mon Mothma since we covered the Clone Wars. So for new listeners who might not have listened to any of our Clone Wars episodes who joined us with, with Rebels, please explain your, because this is a Chris nickname, Chris came up with this one, please explain your nickname for Long Nekma. <clears throat> she has a long ass neck. You're talking about the actress. Even the actress has a long neck, but you know when when they when they animate her, you get a little bit uh, exaggerated, so she, her neck gets even longer. So yeah, she's known for her long neck. What can I say? So I've got a new nickname for it. it's my only note for part one. <laughs> so you got that to look forward to, I guess, Save guys. Save that note. <laughs> It's my only note, so it's all I got. So I, I'm, I, I, I'm pretty hundred percent confident it won't get spoiled in any of the extra information or anything like that. I don't think Baloney had the if same it, name, so I'm pretty, if it's pretty about, rock solid on this note. If it's about her neck, no, you're staying. It's not about her neck at all. Ooh. I already, I already, I already said my piece about Long Neckma's neck. <laughs> but that's where it comes from, guys. So as I'm reading the the recaps, that's why we call her Long Neckma. It's all Chris, not me on this one. <laughs> it's a pretty easy one to figure out, guys. Yeah. Yeah. But just so you know, uh, what do you think of the episode? Not bad. You know, after like all the highs we've had the last several weeks, like this episode is a good episode. But compared to like the previous like three weeks, it's just yeah. not quite as high as the other this, the this previous three. This was a little, just a regular little adventure with a cameo in it, basically. Mm-hmm. Very much so. I mean, because there's a lot of stuff I like in this episode. I don't actually think I have any real big criticisms of the episode. Just no. after Trials of the Darksaber, Legacy of Mandalore, and um, Through Imperial Eyes, like, this is not up to snuff to those three previous episodes. 
yeah so no this is this is this 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 and 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 i accidentally started watching the next one and like yeah the next this one and the next one are both kind of sort of like little loose stones i'm the, excited to watch the next one because i know that's the ap5 one where he sings in space which is like everyone's like one of their top favorite moments of all of rebels and i remember thinking it was so fucking stupid um but i'm i'm wondering if i would think differently of it now because i've only watched that episode once so i'm wondering if i'm going to think differently of next week's episode because it's the one where ap5 sings but we're not there yet we're on this one see yeah well you ready i am all righty <sighs> here we go Secret Cargo is the 55th episode of Star Wars Rebels, and it was released on March 4th, 2017. It was written by Matt Michnovitz and directed by Bosco Ng. Some extra information for you. Genevieve O'Reilly reprises her role as Mon Mothma that she played in Episode 3 in Rogue One. I forgot to look it up because someone else voiced Mon Mothma through Clone Wars. She did not voice Mon Mothma in Clone Wars, and I meant to look up who that was, so uh, you can Google it yourself because <laughs> I forgot. Her other works include The Walking Dead, Diana, Last Days of a, the, of a Princess, where she played Princess Diana, and two of the Matrix movies. Erskine Samaj is voiced by Josh Brenner. Josh is also the voice of Niku from Star Wars Resistance. His other work includes Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the current run of DuckTales, where he plays the fabulous Mark Beeks, and also Silicon Valley, Fucking Mark Beeks in uh, DuckTales is evil Mark Zuckerberg. He runs pretty much the face, the equivalent of Facebook, and he's evil Mark Zuckerberg in, in DuckTales. It's wonderful. As opposed to good Mark Zuckerberg? Come on. But, like, super villain Mark Zuckerberg. Like, yeah, where, yeah where so he's, he's playing building, Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, where he's building, like, super robots and shit. So. Yeah, Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone go watch the new DuckTales. It's so good. And season three starts next week. Well, it, by the time this comes out, season three will already start. Season three is running, guys. You Get should go on watch DuckTales. Catch up. Uh, John Dutch Vander, a.k.a. Gold Leader. Oh, my God. A, a bug. Come here, bug. Okay. Where'd it go? Well, I'll find the bug later. Uh, John Dutch Vander, a.k.a. Gold Leader, is voiced by, oh, gosh, Yuri Lowenthal. Lowenthal. Haha, Yuri Lowenthal. There you go. I'm sorry if I butchered your name. The character was previously previously seen in A New Hope and reused archival footage for Rogue One. Yuri's other work includes Naruto, Binton Alien Force, and one of my favorite anime of all time, Tiger and Buddy. Mon Mothma mentions the massacre of Gorman. The Gorman massacre as a concept dates back to the 1990s Rebel Alliance source book. They're cited as an incident, uh, as, as an inciting incident of imperial brutality that inspired the rebellion. The Y-wings in this episode have been altered from their uh, from their appearance earlier in the series. They now look much closer to their Rogue One counterparts. In Rebels Recon for this episode, please pay attention to this first note because it's funny. <laughs> Taylor Gray, Ezra's voice actor says it's always fun when new characters get to interact with the big movie characters, the new characters being the Rebels characters. He notes that it shows where the Rebellion is during this timeline. And then he jokingly says, before they brought in Mon Mothma, all the Rebels actors have already mimicked Mon Mothma's voice before. And with him, when him and Freddie Prince Jr. 
mimicked her voice. They called her Man Mothma. Please, if there are videos of this, release them on the internet. I want to see them. Please and thank you. Oh, I want to man. They were trying to spoil my note, but they didn't. Ah, oh, they, really? took a, they took a shot at it. They 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 <laughs> came with it. They came within two letters, but <laughs> didn't quite get it. Patsoom! I dodged that bullet. I just want to see. Fuck Freddy you, Prince Rebel Recon. I really just want to see Freddie Prince Jr. do Man Mothma. That sounds amazing. <laughs> anyway, Rebels Recon goes on to say. Uh, the crew talks about how Mon Mothma has been trying to limit Palpatine's power through the Senate, while protecting as many worlds as she can through politics. But she knows that this is a fa- this path is failing, and she needs to do something else. Dave Filoni says that she wanted to try peaceful solutions, and it reached a point where she understands that open conflict is the only way to go forward. But she's concerned about the lack of resources to fight the Empire. Pablo Hidalgo calls this a historic moment in the series, when Mon Mothma comes out as a public enemy against the Empire. This is a key moment that leads, to, that leads to Rogue One, where all the rebel cells have come together because of her speech in this episode. They go on talking about meeting Gold Leader and seeing Dodonna for the first time in the series, and how it symbolizes bringing all the groups together with our main rebel cell that we've been seeing in Rebels. Pablo says that they're, they're not at the point where this is a public declaration of war. That does not come until Rogue One. Dave talks about moving forward from this episode, that they were highly influenced by Rogue One and making the series have a Rogue One aesthetic. And Pablo notes that we should assume every ship we see at the end of the episode after Mon Mothma's speech went on to fight in the Battle of Scarif in Rogue One. Of course they did. You know who also has Rogue One aesthetics? I don't know. Yeah, what's the... Okay. I don't know, Ryota. I, I scraped the bottom of the barrel on that one. Hi, hi. Oh, Yoda likes the bottom of the barrel. Hmm. <laughs> That's where all the good shit lives, huh? Tasty on the bottom of the barrel, yes. That's where the bottom dwellers lie. Mm. Slurp them right up. <laughs> yum, 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 yum. How you doing this week, Yoda? Good. Better. Mm. So you're not sick anymore? Even no, sick? Yoda wasn't sick. No. You had two weeks of being... Oh, well, you had two weeks of being sick. So you've served your two-week quarantine, haven't you? Not sick. Yoda not sick. Never. That's mm. a bullshit lie. Oh, in the force and midichlorians, yes. Oh my god, do midichlorians kill the coronavirus? Mmm, that and, and goldfish chemicals, yes. Mm. You put those in the bottom of your barrel to drink up? Mm-hmm, yes, cure. <laughs> cure it is. Um, well, Yoda, I have a question for you. Mm. Oh, a question for Yoda, yes, yes, yes. So... I know that I, that you couldn't answer the call because you're on Dagobah and you're training Luke and you're a very, very, very busy Yoda. Busy Yoda, yes. Mm. But I was just wondering, did you happen to hear Mon Mothma's call to the rebellion? And if so, what did you think of her speech? Uh, Yoda's blocked from Mon Mothma calls. Hmm. What did you do to Mon Mothma? Oh, such a beautiful neck. Hmm. No, so nice, long neck. Hold up. Mm. In the Clone Wars, I think she's only 19. Did you 
bother her during that time period? <laughs> just what Yoda just wanted to climb the neck. Mm, because it's there. Yes. Because there it is. Did you try to pole dance on her long neck? Oh, Yoda didn't think of that. Yes. Now oh, thank Yoda, God. Now Yoda will think of that. Mm. Oh, no. Oh, Yoda, oh. no. Yes. Actually, now that I think about it, Mon Mothma is a little older than 19. I think she's like 21 in Clone Wars, but still not okay. Slightly younger than Yoda, yes. Yes, but like, like, who isn't? Like, yeah. Like a thousand, like like eight hundred years younger. Or everybody, old. everybody younger than Yoda. Yeah. Oh my God, are we all like children to you? Except, Don't answer that. That's gross. Except for old ugly Yaddle. Three years you're older than Yoda. She is Ugh, ancient. Yeah. Old hag. How is Yaddle doing? Yeah. Gone forever. Oh, oh, we we went a little dark side there. Okay, maybe we should put him back in the box. Okay, Yoda, thank you. Order 66. <laughs> there he goes. <laughs> I liked him better when he was sick. I know, because then it'd be like, oh, well, here, let's put you back to bed, Yoda. No, I was just like, oh, the creepiness is back. Put him back to bed. I have like a six foot long stick with a hook on the end of it. That's how I put him back to bed. <laughs> I just maybe I've been watching Tiger King recently, and I just imagine you having like a six foot long stick with like meat on the end of it, and he's just like eating it through the cage, just like. Yum, yum, yum. I've got a thousand Yodas on my my abandoned Yoda sanctuary. Well, just just throw them in some hunks of meat and pipe in the internet so they can watch porn and. They can live a happy life, free from persecution and and, po <laughs> and poaching. <laughs> the only one you don't have in your collection is the, the baby Yoda. <laughs> one day. <laughs> I guess this is a friendly reminder. Um, we're always looking for Yoda questions. Um, it's been it's been a hot minute since we've gotten a Yoda question. So if you have a question for Yoda, um, you can send it to us either by leaving a comment on this episode in the Two True Freaks Facebook page. You can send them to at Jedi on Twitter, or if you want, you can send them to me at Hope Molinax on Twitter as well. Um, and as soon as we get the website up and we have the ability to like leave comments, you you will in the future be able to do that there too, right? Yep. We're going to have comments. Yep, you, you'll be able to leave comments right on an episode. Yep. Yep. So those are all the ways, and we love Yoda questions. That's and everyone, the plan. Yep. Well, you ready to get into this episode? Oh, I am. I'm ready to get get to my note on part one. <laughs> You're a note. <laughs> yes. A note. All right, act one. Act one. We open with the ghost hanging out in a junkyard in space with broken ships and trash shit flo floating all around them. We get a nice call back to season one where they're listening to Alton Castle reporting on the news on the holonet. We haven't heard this propagandic spewing asshole since pretty early in the show. I think he's only in season one. And Zeb is like, ugh, I can't listen to this guy anymore. He's so annoying. And Ezra's like, Zeb, you have the same voice actor. And then Zeb has an existential crisis. Anyway. 
They turn it off, and Ezra and Zeb are wondering. I loved that joke. I laughed at myself. Don't don't at me. <laughs> I thought it was funny. <laughs> they turn it off, and Ezra and Zeb are wondering who they're picking up and what time. Hera says that Padme's baby daddy, Bill Organa, is trusting them to get fuel to whoever is supposed to be meeting. But it's keeping them but a uh, bit. I'm gonna reread that one because I just butchered it. It's fine. Hera says that Padme's baby daddy, Bill Organa, is trusting them to get fuel to whoever they're supposed to be meeting, but Bill's keeping them in the dark about this one. They go back to watching space propaganda news, and Alton Castle is like, Blurg! Mon Mothma is the worst! Look at what she said! And we see a video of Mon Mothma naming Palpatine specifically for a massacre that happened Somewhere in the Imperial Palace, Palpatine is very unhappy in his bubble bath. Hera, Zeb, and Ezra are all starry-eyed, like, Wow, we! Mon Mothma is so cool! She's so brave to speak openly against the Emperor. Suddenly, they see a small vessel pop out of hyperspace. Inside it, it's another probe droid, like from the Warhead episode a few weeks ago, like the Zeb Chopper AP5 one. And Zeb is like, Oh, it's another one of those things. And Howard, Howard, <laughs> Howard. Suddenly Hera. there's a new character named Howard in, on the ghost. <laughs> he's so boring. He's been there all the time and nobody's noticed Howard yet. Wouldn't that be amazing? I just thought of like, there's this guy in the background always there just sitting. It'd be yeah, so no. You're going sitting. down on the team. You're going down on the team. Who are you? Howard? I, uh, where, I, where did you come? I've been here the whole time. I sleep in Shopper's room. Guys. <laughs> Not Shopper Howard. Shopper never told you about Howard? Thanks, Shopper. <laughs> Not Howard, but Hera powers down the ship in Shopper so the probe can't scan them and know where they are. Ezra slips into the nose gun just in case they need to shoot it. The droid is moseying around the ship looking for weird things. But the moment it spots them in the ghost, Space Mob throws on all the power, and Ezra tries to shoot the thing down. He can't get a clean shot because of all the debris, as the droid relays information back to the Empire. Suddenly, another ship pops out of hyperspace just as Ezra finally blows up the droid in its ship. Gold Leader is, is with the big ship that just came out of hyperspace. Gold Leader calls in to Hera and calls in, and Howard, not Hera, Says that there's a pretty good chance that the droid called for backup. Wow. Anyway, a guy named Erskine comes onto the ghost, and he most certainly isn't Niku from Resistance, even though that they sound exactly alike. Not Niku Erskine has Gold Eater with him as they swap greetings. Not Niku says that they can't come onto their ship for security reasons. They start, so they all start refueling all the other ships. Ezra and Zed meet up with other members of Gold Squadron who are kind of dicks. One lady goes off at them for all their shit our Rebels pulled earlier in the season. All their season one antics has now made it much more dangerous for other Rebel groups because they're not unified yet in their fighting. Ezra and Gold Leader start picking fights with each other too. Even Space Mom is like, we had no idea what you're doing here, so we did the best we could when that Imperial droid showed up. Don't at me. Not Niku apologizes, because the probe was probably looking for all of them. Suddenly, the alarms blare on the ghost, 
a bunch of Imperial ships pop out of nowhere and start shooting down at them. The snarky gold pilot lady goes down hard and gets knocked out. She fell over. But they need more firepower, power, so Ezra gets permission to hop into a Y-Wing. And Space Mom is so proud of her space son in this moment. They're all having trouble detaching from the transport, so they're sitting ducks until they can get loose from the bigger ship. The big ship is going down, so Hera tells them to get everyone on board the ghost. The door opens, and in walks Long Nekma, going, Don't worry, everyone. I'm here. Alright, what's your one note for Act 1 that I had so much trouble <laughs> reading? Um, I think we should have a new name for her, and that's Mom Haircut Mothma. Because she has a mom haircut. Not as catchy, but I see what you're saying. Mm. I also think from now on, just to see if people are paying attention, we should add Howard into parts of the story where it doesn't matter. Like, you know, and they all go down to the, you know, blah, 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 blah. And Howard, go down to the planet <laughs> and just never mention him from that point on. <laughs> we should just throw Howard in there every once in a while. You're going to have to remind me, but I think that's brilliant. And people are just going to be like, what the hell? Or like, we, Wait, we, could to... kill, we could kill him off in the last episode. He dies in, in, in uh, he, he dies in the fight to free Lothal. Or we could keep him keep him around and then figure out where he appears in the in the sequel trilogy. Which character in there is Howard? Howard secretly works at Orca and Flix's shop, and he just stands in the background, watches watches them be husbands together. It's possible, an older Howard. <laughs> You're going to have to remind me of this, because I know I will forget, but that's hilarious. I'll try to remember myself, yeah. But that's all I got. Mom, You'll get to hear it again when you edit. Huh? You'll get to hear it again when you edit. Yeah. I will. <laughs> and then you can that's remind not, me. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah it's still, then a week later, we'll be recording, and I'll, you know, I'll try. I'll he, do what I can. Here's the, the Chris note. When you hear this, remind Hope about Howard. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, for my note, um, my first note is actually about Alton Castle, the propaganda guy they're listening to at the beginning of the episode. I'm so happy they brought him back because I actually forgot all about him. But the moment I saw him, I was like, oh, yeah, this guy, because I that's that's something that I really, really loved about Rebels season one was we got to see how news and propaganda worked to help keep the Empire in power. And I really loved that about season one. And I forgot that they used him later in the show. And this was a good place to have him. Because we know that later on, Mon Mothma makes her own broadcast. So it's like these conflicting news sources. Um, and, and so that's just something I really, really love about Rebels. And I've always loved that about Rebels. So I'm really actually happy they brought back Alton Castle. Because I really, really enjoyed him early on. See, the only thing I hate about that is... They, they sat there and Zeb said something about, like, how long can we just sit here watching Holonet? So they're basically sitting around watching TV, you know, waiting for something to happen. I want to see we got a little glimpse of it in the prequels where you saw sports going on on the Holonet. Mm -hmm. But I I would I wish there was just like a live feed to the Holonet where you could I'd love to see what the shows are, you know, what the what the dramas and stuff are like on on Holonet, what you know, like what they're watching in the commercials and stuff. It would be fun. I I've mentioned this before in the show. I don't even remember when, 
But something I've always, always wanted to see in Star Wars is something kind of like Senna and the Hunger Games, where you have these, Senna, for background, if you haven't read Hunger Games, Senna is a fashion designer, and he hides propaganda in his dresses and in his work. And I always thought that was such a fascinating story. I would love to see a Star Wars story where you have, like, an actress or an actor who was in the Republic, and then when it transitions over into the Empire, how does that affect artists? How does that affect their work? What if they are now actors, kind of like the Blacklist period in our own Hollywood history? The Blacklist period is where people would sneak in propaganda into their work. Like, a lot of people don't know, Cinderella was actually written by a known socialist. And Walt Disney, who was not, who was, like, the, like, head person trying to fight communism in America. Yeah, that that was more about, they weren't as much sneaking stuff in as just they were getting accused of it more than anything else, you know? Well, like, in this case, like, Walt Disney wanted to appear, like, woke during this time, so he purposely hired a socialist to write Cinderella. (laughs) Because he wanted to appear woke because he was having, like, financial troubles and he wanted to try to appeal to the other side. But, like, I've always wanted to see something like that. And if you want to hear more about it, listen to You Must Remember This Podcast. They're a really good series, by the way. Um, Anyway, total side note. Um, But I've always wanted to see that in Star Wars. Like, what happens when you have, like, movie stars and artists and then the Empire comes and completely stifles them. Like that's the reason why I wrote I started writing my Lucky Leku. Well that's what I was just gonna say. If you really want to know, people can just go read the Lucky Leku. Yeah, like that is the reason I wrote it because I was so interested to see how that worked. It would be great to watch the Johnny Carson show except it's a hut and he's got the Lucky Leku on, you know, one night and it it would be just awesome. Mm -hmm. You know? Now kind of a side note of that have i ever did i i can't remember if i told you this or not did i tell you our darth vader watching pod racing joke that i have with megan maybe so i'll, I'll talk about it um to me and megan have this ongoing joke that we like we joke around that inside of vader's helmet he watches tv so he doesn't have to listen to people and we have like the joke is like whenever he gets bored in meetings he just like kind of like pushes a button on his suit and just watches pod racing on his on his vices oh for sure for sure and we have so we 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 want to sit down and be like watch the original trilogy and be like, ha ha, there, right there, he's watching TV and not paying attention anymore. (laughs) uh, You want to see him every once in a while just going like, yes! (laughs) (laughs) Good, good. (laughs) And they're like, what's good Lord Vader? He's like, oh, he's still putting bets with Watto, you know? He's just like, yes, next time I'm at tattooing, Watto's going to owe me big time. Yeah, he's like, this is a boring meeting. Push his button, watch his pod racing, <laughs> watch his sports on, on the inside of his visor. So that, that's an ongoing joke that we yeah. have. So anyway, my next note is, man, I I knew when I was watching this episode um, that I recognized the guy who did Erskine. And then when I saw that it was Josh Brenner who voiced Niku, I was just like, oh my god, he sounds like a very chill Niku, and I you love it. Couldn't unhear like, it, yeah. I, I can't unhear it. Every time he spoke, I was like, oh Niku. <laughs> I 
I miss Resistance. <laughs> I miss it so much. It hit me the other day. I saw some really beautiful Sonara fan art, and I was like, I miss my pirate mom. Pirate mom, no. <laughs> Um, my note, next note is uh, in relation to when Erskine brings Gold Leader onto the ship for the first time, and Gold Leader has this like big frown on his face, and he looks all stiff and uptight. And I was like, man, you don't want to take him to a party. Yeah, no, he's yeah. It's always funny how those guys are always kind of pricks when they first show up on the show. Yeah. Until they get their asses saved a couple times. <laughs> yeah. Um, my last small note is, uh, it's just really cool to see Ezra f- flying a Y-Wing. That's really cool. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Um, now for my last two bigger notes. I like seeing this part of the rebellion. I never really thought about it before, that they have to refuel in the middle of nowhere, because it's not like they can take a bunch of Y-Wings to a normal gas station. And I like seeing how elaborate and careful they have to be which is something we don't really get to see a lot in the movies. Yeah, no, there's no time for the mechanics of stuff like that in the movies. Yeah, but, like, they they can't go to the space quick trip because it's owned by the Empire now, and if a Y-Wing shows up, they'd be like, you hey. Or... A, yeah, you can't pull a tank up there, yeah. Yeah, so I, I like seeing that they have to go through all these crazy links just to get fuel, and that's that's so crazy, and I love it. Um, and the only other note I have, um, is in relation to, like, the Y-Wing lady, and she's all like, oh, well, you guys are making it so much harder for all of us. I really like that scene because it shows why it's so important that they have to organize. Because up to this point, they've all been working on their own, and the things that she talks about and she lists off to Ezra and Zeb are all things that our heroes did in season one. And it was before, even before our group was with the official rebellion. They hadn't even joined Sato's group. So blowing up Tarkin's ship and destroying the Lothal uh, tower, that was all season one stuff. But the thing is, is that they were, our, our heroes were acting the best they could. They were on their own and they were doing the best they could. But I like seeing that those things that we, that were so heroic in season one, we see they now have consequences because the rebellion's not organized. And these consequences from something that was so heroic two seasons ago is hurting the other rebel cells and is putting them in danger. And I, I and, and uh, I like that. Yeah, once it, you start it, having to do more complicated things, you have to basically become a military, you know? Yeah. And I liked that scene because it showed why Mon Mothma's speech at the end is so important because they are so disorganized that they're not helping each other. Really, right. they're their different actions are hurting each other. And I never really thought about that before. And I liked how they took that spin because now when I go back and I watch those scenes, like them uh, blowing up the tower and, well, they didn't do it, Tarkin did it. But then like blowing up Tarkin's ship in the season one finale, we know that that's going to hurt Gold Squadron later, which gives those moments like those, like, yeah, our heroes won moments, kind of like a, oh, poor Gold Squadron <laughs> moment too. Well. We also know now that Mon Mothma is on the run that she can be sort of the centerpiece and de facto leader, you know, now for for something, you know, she's she's somebody from that world. So she's you you can build a hierarchy down from her, you know, and, uh, you know, everybody knows who she is. And yeah. Yeah. 
So I liked it. But that's all I had for Act 1. Did you have anything else? No. So Act 2? Act 2. Sorry, I thought I had a burp. I didn't know. Anyway, Act 2. Hera sees Mon Mothma come off the ship. And Hera's like, cool, really nice to meet you. Get to work. And Hera runs off to the cockpit. Ezra and Gold Squadron are zipping around outside, fighting off TIE fighters and causing diversions. Gold Leader shows off his flashy ion cannons that are a plot point later in the episode. Mon Mothma gets the ghost off the big ship and they head out. And everyone jumps to the safety of hyperspace. Back inside the ghost, Hera is like, Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, you're, you're long neck ma. Holy cow, we are like such big fans of yours. And, and you're really pretty. Don't tell my space husband I said that you were really pretty. And Zeb is like, oh my god, Hera, calm down, breathe. <laughs> and not Niku Erskine wants Mon Mothma to go into hiding. But Long Nekma isn't putting her head into the sand anymore. She's ready to stick her neck out there. And she knows that she ha- has to get to a very important meeting. But <laughs> And it's, it's the meeting. The important meeting, as in the meeting to call together all the rebel cells. And she has to trust Hera now to get her there. Hera has a plan to sneak them out, so Mon Mothma gives them the coordinates to Dantooine. Back on Lothal, there's the burp. Ah, there we go. Much better. Back on Lothal, it's about to get a bit sexy, because it's blue hispando time, folks! Thrawn is meeting with Governor Price and Constantine, King of Hubris, first of his name. They're discussing the attack that just happened through Act 1 and the beginning of Act 2. And Constantine is all confused because there were no cargo. There was no no cargo on Mon Mothma's transport. And Thrawn is like, that's because the cargo is a person, idiot. And Ari is like, oh, it is Mon Mothma, is it? I would love to destroy her myself. Where can we find her, Daddy? And Thrawn is like, First, never call me Daddy. Ever again, you psychopath. <laughs> Second, my arch-rival Hera Syndulla is going to get creative to get Long Nekma out of there. She's going to fly through this nebula here to do it. I think it's a great Time to test out my shiny new toy, the Tide Defender, to hunt them down. And Arya's like, Thrawn, I really, really want to hunt her down myself. And Thrawn is like, fine. Take Constantine so I can get you out of my hair. You give me the creeps, woman. Okay, so here's the plan. When my TIE Defender flushes them out on the other side of the nebula, you will be in position to capture Mon Mothma. I am giving you every single baby step not to fuck this up. It should be really, really easy for you guys. Don't fuck up. And Constantine is like, do we ever? Adon is like, yes, yes, you do. You fucked up a lot, Constantine. You're the reason I'm not doing better. Constantine, you idiot. Well, anyway, Ari dosi is out of there with Constantine. And Thrawn is like, why do I feel like this is going to go terribly? Anyway, back with our heroes. Mon Mothma brings Harris some tea, because they're lovely. 
and they chat a lot. They have a chat. Sorry, I like touched my cheeks when I went lovely. I was like, e-. they have a chat about her work in the Senate. She tried for six years to fix this peacefully, but now it looks like they're moving closer and closer to war. Harris says it's really dangerous on the front lines too, but it's a different kind of danger from what Mon Mothma has been facing. And both of them are willing to do what it takes to win. Ah, uh, oh, there we go. They arrive at the nebula, but the Empire is right behind them. Remember earlier in the season when Sabine went to Sky Strike Academy to smuggle out Wedge and Tilly's, and then she had a really, really snooty teacher with like a terrible mustache, and he was all like, I'm evil, and I will kill my students. And he was a dick, and his name was Volt Scarif. Well, Volt Scarif is now piloting the TIE Defender and is after them. Ezra tries to warn the other Y-Wing pilots that a TIE Defender is not like a normal TIE, since it actually has shields and hyperdrive, and is known for being super fast, and it's actually a really, really good ship. But Scarus quickly picks off two Y-Wings. Mon Mothma gives Hera the okay, and they speed into the nebula. It's a firefight in a bunch of gas clouds, and they lose another member of Gold Squadron. So it's only down to Gold Leader and Ezra left in the Y-Wings. Nothing seems to be taking out the TIE Defender. So Hera gets a crazy idea. She orders all of them to put all power towards their shields, and they fly right at a forming star. The two normal ties don't stand a tra- chance and blow up, but the TIE Defender is still coming for them, with shields with its own shields up. The ghost starts breaking apart, but finally, finally so is the, the, so is the TIE Defender. Scaris breaks off, but they know he'll be, be back. So Gold Leader and Ezra will keep the Defender busy while Hera gets Long Nekma out of there. Hera flies out of the other side of the nebula, and waiting are Constantine and Ares, two big Star Destroyers. Which is a problem, because the ghost is losing power fast. Bum bum bum! What do you think of that, too? Oh, it's cool. Um, the chase to the nebula was a very Star Trek sort of situation, but it was handled in a very Star Wars manner, so it was kind of cool. Um, I've, there's never been a nebula that Star Wars animation hasn't given me that I didn't love. Yeah. I've loved every single nebula Star Wars animation has ever given us. This one wasn't as, like, a glorious cloud bank as it was It was a little simpler in its design, but just as bands of heat and stuff, it was really cool. It reminded me a little, actually, of uh, of the chase through the, wi- the sandstorm in uh, Mad Max Fury Road, if you ever get a chance to see that. I like uh, how you I just assume I haven't seen it because I haven't. Um, one one thing about the nebula that I liked, it's it's almost like it had walls. There's one shot where they fly around a portion of it, but it's it should be all clouds. So, but it's almost like it. Yeah, flies. it's like walls of energy though. It's almost like flying through a sun. You know, I I pictured those walls as being like basically like lava. You know, almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's Except a really it was cool more shot. like radiation than it was, you know, like heat. But either way, it was it was really neat. To, it was well portrayed. Yeah. Um, well, a few notes here. Uh, Mon Mothma, when she talks, her diction reminds me a lot of, and maybe it's from coming from the Senate, maybe this is sort of like, the speech of the political class, but it reminds me of the way Amidala and her doubles talked when she was queen in uh, episode one. Yeah, there was something, 
I, I almost noted this and I didn't. So I'm actually glad you brought it up. I Maybe it's just because she is such a different character because she's from the Senate and she has, she's always had to portray herself as being kind of like this, like kind of more upstanding gentleman. But there are times where I'm just like, she's almost emotionless at it's times. A form, yeah, it's a formal kind of drony speech. Yeah. Where we talk like, you know, almost like the old like hypnotist records that you would hear where you just talk about politics in a droning voice and, and probably not... for maximum clarity because since it's a galaxy and there's so many different types of communication and translate you know everybody's pro everybody's probably speaking into a universal translator to get translated so they have to go for maximum clarity you know so they all talk like robots yeah, and that's not necessary, necessarily a criticism from me, I, I should point out. Um, I, I found it very interesting. Like, there, there's a part in Act 3. Kind of a consistency with, yeah, with the how, Senate, you know? how Padme speaks and how we've seen Bail Organa speak, too. They're both very similar. So I'm glad you brought that up because I almost noted it, but I didn't know quite how to phrase it. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I noticed that, too. There's a part in Act 3, and I, I don't remember exactly where it is, but, like, it was a moment where I felt like she should have been more emotional, like a go or something like that, or, or like, let's get out of here. But she was just very calm about it. She was like, let us go. And I was like, oh, you guys should be running. <laughs> and so, like, but I, I, I'm glad you worded it the way you're right, you did, because consistency, that, that is a good way to putting it. Um, I think Thrawn wasn't too much of a genius by going by figuring out that they were after Mon Mothma. I think that was pretty uh, pretty obvious with the course of events going on, just to get my little dig in on Thrawn. I do uh, have a note that starts with today in points that I'm sure Chris will disagree with. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the only other two notes I have are kind of just like visual ones. When Thrawn's looking at the holoplanets, there's a point where they make a little Mickey Mouse head and I and I had to figure that had to be a nice little Disney. Oh, I missed that. I'll yeah. have to go back and look for that. But there's a there's a point where one of the planets lines up with two little round ears on it, um, and it always distracts me when I see Thrawn on his collars. They look like the play pause symbols that you would see on like your your uh, you know iPod or you know any kind of uh, music player. I'm googling this. Hold on, images. <laughs> oh yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah, you'll never unsee it now. That before. It looks like the rewind and for and fast forward buttons. <coughs> he looks like a goddamn Bluetooth speaker. <laughs> I never noticed that before. I had to Google it. You're right. Oh God, damn it, Chris Honeywell. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if you ever get to hang out with Thrawn, if you ever want to hear what he said, you know, to get him to repeat, you just hit him on the left shoulder <laughs> and on the right shoulder to skip forward. <laughs> That's all I got for part one or part I two. Love, I love it so much. <laughs> oh my God, That's what, I'm gonna have to show Megan. She's gonna laugh at that. Anyway, um, my first note is not Niku would also be terrible at parties. Yeah, he's not a fun guy. He's just like, oh, I'm 
ma'am, you should hide. Ma'am, I don't think we should do this. Ma'am. And I'm just like, dude, you're fine. Not Niku. Calm down. Actually, he's being very Niku in those moments. Like, yeah. I, I do not wish to die, Cass. <laughs> what are we doing, Cass? <laughs> Maybe we should hide, Cass. Now that I think about it, his name is Niku in those moments. Um, so kind of, this is more of a me note. Um, I forgot that Thrawn and Ari are in this episode. And it's amazing because when I was thinking back, when, when we were getting ready to start season three, I was like, oh, I'm very excited to get into Thrawn content and stuff. But I remember thinking at the beginning of season three, I'm like, looking back on it, Thrawn is really not in the show that much. And what it really is, Hope forgot how many episodes Thrawn is in. <laughs> like, yeah, no, they once they introduced him, they used him. Yeah, and like, um, I forgot he was in... And uh, uh, the Warhead episode with when Zeb is fighting the droid. And I forgot he was in this episode because I've only seen those episodes once. So certain episodes like Through Imperial Eyes or Inside Man, I've watched those episodes over and over and over again. Um, but so it's, it, that's more of a me note, which which is why I'm so happy we're going back through these because you guys know I love my blue husband. And he's in the series so much more than I thought he was. And so I'm just having the best time, guys. <laughs> That's really what it comes down to. I'm just having a good time. Um, I love that Thrawn gave them all the baby steps and gave them everything. And we know in Act 3, they still fucked up. <laughs> I love yeah. it. Um, I might as well go ahead and do my other Thrawn notes um, while I'm still on him. So uh, today... Uh. Do, 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 play some music here. Da, 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 da. Today, in points that I'm sure Chris will disagree with, I love the Tide Defender. I've, I've, I love this ship. I am, I will say, I'm a little biased because uh, me and Megan, you guys know, do role plays together, and in our role play, um, one of my characters is the one who actually designed the Tide Defender, and, and she's Thrawn's wife, and so that, so I, I have some biases towards the Tide Defender because of ties in so closely to mine and Megan's role play. But as for the actual story, I love how it shows that if the Empire did it Thrawn's way, how effective, the, how much more effective the Empire would be. Because one of the big points in the Thrawn novels, mostly in Thrawn Treason and the 2015 novel, Thrawn is constantly questioning how the Empire spends money. And he's constantly going, why are we funneling all of our money eggs into one Death Star basket? Why are we building really shitty TIE, tie, tie ships with no shields that blow up so easily and killing pilots when we can have one really good TIE defender with, with shields and hyperdrives for every 10 shitty TIEs? And we see in this episode how effective the TIE Defender is. It's really effective. And it's it outlives the other two TIEs. It causes problems. It takes out more ships than the other things. And they don't build more. And we know from Thrawn Treason that uh, people like, like Krennic and Tarkin don't care about actually having effective things. All they care about is the, the Death Star. I, th I, I think there's some math involved in it because I think like uh, I think like um, like I do agree with the point the the um, um, the tie defender is really cool, um, but I think I think since they're so expensive you couldn't build as many of them, but the problem I think would be is 
I think like most high like as you get into the higher end and better and more effective equipment you also would need like a tie defender you would if you threw just a regular tie pilot in it you know would not you would not be getting your money's worth out of the value of that tie defender it's better to put them you know because i'm sure the empire does the math of their pilots just like it does their equipment you know it's just a piece of and are like it's it's better to have nine, you know, since we since only 10% of our pilots are superlative pilots, maybe we'll put them in the defenders and and we'll put the cannon fodders and all the other ones, you know. But as to whether whose math is right, you know, hindsight's 2020. Yeah. I I it all comes down, it all comes down to Palpatine's desk anyway. I I I partially agree with that because we actually saw that in Clone Wars. Um, we, I remember right, right. somewhere in Clone Wars, there's an interview that Dave Filoni did and they were asking, they were asked him, why don't you, why aren't there more super battle droids or more? I think it's the episode for rookies. Now that I think way back to it. I and remember episode, that conversation. Yeah. And he was saying that the reason why you don't have assassin droids in every episode is because they're so expensive to make. So it's so much easier to make really cheap battle droids and just overwhelm people by sheer numbers versus having one really good droid doing the same thing. Right, right. So and I definitely agree with you. The, you can stamp the cheap droids right out. You could just sit at the plant and stamp them out. You know, they're equipped to stamp out millions of them. So it's like, yeah. Yeah. So I, I definitely agree with you on that point because we do know from... I think it's Thrawn Treason, how that that the TIE Defender is a lot more expensive to make than a normal TIE Fighter. Fighter, that's the word I was, I was like, what is a TIE called? It's a TIE Fighter. But Thrawn brought up the really good point of like, well, you don't need 10 TIE Fighters if you have one uh, one TIE Defender. And so, so both are very valid points. And I like seeing how effective the TIE Defender is because it proves its point. Uh, we know that it didn't get destroyed because um, we know that Scarif, Scaris is back later in the season flying the Tide Defender. Um, yeah. So it, it proves its worth. And I think it's a very valid argument of the Empire is putting so much hubris into the Death Star, which we know once the first Death Star explodes, that's the beginning of the end for the Empire. So it's fun playing the what if game of like, what if they actually spread out their resources to stuff like this because that's 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 really Thrawn's argument in the book is why are we putting all of our stuff into a, to one Death Star when we could actually have all that money for the Death Star and spreading it out in an actual good military. Right, right. <laughs> so yeah, but I just I love seeing I just love the Tide Defender. Um, my only other note that I have, and this is kind of just more of like a general note talking about. The political episodes of Clone Wars versus the lack of political episodes here. Clone Wars was really good showing us a lot of the politics. So we got episodes about Mon Mothma, Bail Organa, and Padme. And not just like them doing action-y things, but actually watching how the Senate worked during that time period. And watching how they like passed bills and how it actually affected people. We don't get that in the Empire time. Like, we don't get that in Rebels. We don't get that in Rogue One. And we don't get that in the original trilogy. And I don't think we've ever actually seen the Senate under the Empire except for Episode 3. Am I wrong? Am I am I wrong on this point? 
No, you're not wrong at all. We we never saw any any anything like that. Maybe uh, you know there's there were a couple shots of Coruscant that they added onto the special edition, so you sort of see Coruscant, so you see that area of the galaxy. But no, you ne- you'd never see anything outside of Clone Wars and the and the original or the the prequel trilogies. And and so the point the, what brought this up is how is the conversation she's having with Hera, and she's talking about how she's been fighting for years in the Senate, and I would love to see what that would look like from to, to have stories of like like in Clone Wars where we have an episode of Bill Organa and Mon Mothma in the Senate trying to talk to other senators. What do Imperial senators look like? How many of them carried over from the Republic, and how many of them um, got pushed in by the Empire? Because we, we know from some of the books and stuff like that, that alien senators, people from like non-human worlds, got replaced by human Imperials to be their senators. And I, I would love to have more stories of what the Senate looks like from Mon Mothma and Beryl Ghana's point of view and how they've been na- navigating that just like we had in Clone Wars. I, I feel like that's a huge missing piece from this time period. I, I have a suspicion a lot of it might have to do with uh, George Lucas was directly involved in Clone Wars, mm-hmm. and and George Lucas just did whatever the hell he wanted with his That's stuff. true, because... And Senate everybody was- complained about the politics in the prequels, so once George Lucas wasn't involved, there's probably nobody, like, really pushing to, to include, you know, only anything but the most cursory of politics into any Star Wars going forward, you know? That's very true, because seeing the Senate in the politics of the prequels was a very George Lucas thing, and so was Clone Wars. Yeah. Um, but some of, like, while not all the po- like the political episodes are great in Clone Wars, some of them some are of really them good. Are. Yeah, some of them are. Some of them really are really good. Some, yeah. of them, some of them it would be like, oh no, we're, we're going to be hanging out here, and then by the end of it, you're like, that was great, you know? Yeah. And, uh, because they were, you know, they had drama in them in action and and stuff in it, but it was it was it was it's always interesting to see the behind the scenes stuff and to see the nuances behind what's going on. And this time period would any time period is going to be very interesting to watch anyway, you know. So yeah. yeah. So um, that that was my only other note. I just I feel like that is a huge missing piece from this time period. So all right. Act three. Let's uh, polish this off. Wow, we are flying through this. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, we had pasta tonight, and I love pasta, but tomato sauce always makes my courage just being like, Bleh! don't you want to burp up this pasta sauce? So I'm like, no, please. And then my throat's just like, too bad. Bleh! I'm just like, oh, God, stop it. <laughs> that's, my, that's my curse for loving pasta as much as I do. Anyway, act three. Constantine and Arya are like, Ooh, it's time to bag some rebels. And Ari calls over like, Hello! Every time I do that, I think of Mrs. Doubtfire. Hello, rebels! Surrender now, and you'll have all and you'll all have a very quick death. And Mon Mothma, surprisingly, agrees to hand herself over. And Howard is like, What are you doing? And Mon Mothma is like, sticking out my long neck for you to buy you some time. Now figure out a plan. Back in the nebula, Ezra and Gold Leader are still facing off with Scarus in this TIE Defender. 
Ezra has a plan, and it involves the Ion Cannons from Act 1. Ezra breaks off to pull Scarus around, and Ezra gets it lined up, and Gold Leader shoots Scarus with the Ion Cannons to temporarily knock out the ship. Meanwhile, Mon Mothma has been stalling out Ari with a list of demands, like any good political figure. But this has given Hera enough time to get the hyperdrive back up. And Ari is like, too late! And they start pulling in the ghost with a tractor beam. Luckily, Ezra and Gold Leader come out of the nebula just in time. Hera gets an idea and wants them to shoot all their torpedoes at the nebula. They do it, and the nebula explodes, ripping parts of the Star Destroyers apart. Star Destroyers apart. I can't read. It's fine. Now, free of the tractor beam, the Ghost and the Y-Wings get the heck out of Dodge and jump into hyperspace. And Constantine and Ari... Probably soon after, got a phone call from Thrawn going, What the hell, you guys? I gave you everything to win! Oh my god! Anyway, our heroes make it to Dantooine safely. They all get together, exchanging how cool everyone is. Even the snarky lady pilot from Act 1, from before, is talking up Ezra's flying. And not Niku lets Mon Mothma know it's time for her Skype call. Mon Mothma gives a passionate speech about how it's time for all of them to come together. It's time to fight as one group. She publicly resigns from the Senate and says she's ready to fight on the front lines. We get a look at everyone our heroes have fought with up to this point, from Grunkle Rex and Sato to Ryder Azadi and the Lothal Rebels. The speech ends, and they wait. And then, little by little, until their numbers grow, more and more ships join them. Long Nekma smiles and says as the music swells into the Star Wars theme song. This is our rebellion. The end. Cool. That's cool. It's kind of cool, cool, whatever. My first note is I, I like that that... that um... Her, that the rebellion that shows up is sort of pretty much the same size as the rebellion ends up being in uh, the Last Jedi too. It's it's definitely a motley crew. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was pretty. Is so, are Price and Constantine back after this, or did they get blown up with those star? Those star destroyers look like they were blowing up pretty good when they were flying they're, away. They're back. Constantine makes it to the end of season three, and Ari makes it to the end of the series. Okay. So I thought that might be the the end of both of them, but I that's all I really had for notes. It was, it was it was uh, except for igniting the nebula, you know, it was a pretty standard uh ending, you know. Yeah. But I'm not saying that as a complaint. It was very well handled with the with the the battles and the in the nebula and stuff. But yeah, not a lot to say about it. You know, the space battles in this episode is really great. Like, this this episode is just a really long... I actually almost noted it. The opening battle is almost half the episode. Yeah, um, yeah. After the Imperial droid leave, after they blow up the Imperial... From the time that the droid shows up to the time they jump into hyperspace, and the, it's, it's most of Act 1 and half of Act 2. So it's almost half the episode. And then the second half of this episode is almost entirely the Nebula fight. So yeah. this is just one really long space fight, but it's all really well done. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's just a nice little pocket pocket episode, and it adds to the general lore. 
But that's all I really had to say about Act 3. And I just, I love the look of the nebula. Just like, almost, it's almost like it's like, how how should I say this? It reminds me of of the surface of the sun. Yeah, I, I, I the the idea of gasoline keeps coming. You know when you have like when you throw a line of gasoline on a fire, and for a split second you have that line of fire, not like the whole fire, but just that right. line of fire. Yeah, that's that's what it reminded me of. So you have these like lines of fire licking the star destroyers and just like ripping piece by piece off them, and it just looks so cool. But I'm also a sucker for nebulas. I love nebulas in star wars i think they're so pretty i think they're cool they're just one of my favorite star warsy things i love when there's fights in nebulas um into the star cluster from the zeb episode in season two is still like one of my favorite scenes of all of star wars i love that scene yeah so i just i'm a sucker for a nebula. scientifically i don't think you can light the gas in a nebula up like that as a matter of fact it's probably already kind of lit up in its own way but you don't light up gas in a nebula like you would in an atmosphere you know there's no like oxygen swir- there's definitely no oxygen swirling around there because it would already have burned up by it would have just spun spontaneously <coughs> combusted and whatever so you know yeah they're pushing the science of it a little bit but man it was cool it's star wars so yeah nebulas was- blow up yeah um, my next note is every now and then I like to imagine what it would have been like if Padme would have survived into the rebellion, um, and if she hadn't died and what that would have looked like. And I think she would have been a lot like Mon Mothma, but more of an action oriented Mon Mothma. Yeah, more all... like Leia, like her mom, basically. Yeah. Like your daughter, yeah. Or like her daughter, I mean, yeah. There's, um, I've been meaning to read it for years, but there's a fan fiction that I heard about on Lousy Beautiful Town where Padme does survive and she hides the children from Anakin because she doesn't like him. He, she, she leaves him pretty much. And it opens with a scene of her looking through a scope um, to try and take a pot shot to snipe Darth Vader. And that's how it opens. Um, and... I just I think Padme would be so fascinating, and I think we're kind of seeing a little bit now in the current Darth Vader comic. Um, the current Darth Vader comic by Greg Pak, they actually introduced Sabe, which was uh, Padme's main handmaiden. She was the Queen Shadow, and Sabe was the closest duplicate to Padme, and she was her main copier, copycat, and her main decoy. And in this. Sabe is drawn to look like an older Padme. She looks like if Padme had made it to her 40s. And it's it's wonderful seeing Sabe in that role because it allows us to have this image of like, what if Padme had survived? And it's just it's just something I would love. I, I just love imagining that because I also just love Padme. But um, I like to think about that every once in a while. And my only other note for this episode is I really like Mon Mothma's speech, um, mostly because I like seeing it being a callback to everything we've seen so far. Because we get to see General Sato's group with Rex Rex and AP5 are there. We get to see Bail Organa and Dadana. And we get to see the Lothal rebels with Ryder Azadi. So it's just really cool to see all these people that we've touched base with in the series so far. The only thing I kind of would have liked to see is seeing the people that come into later. 
Because we know in the season four finale, um, that shitty kid from Iron Squadron that you don't like, Ketsu, uh, Vizago, and Hondo, and and Callus, they all, those five people also help them fight. And, And Wolf and Gregor, too. Wolf and Gregor join them. And they all come back later. And we know that they don't all join right away. Like, Callus can't join right now. Wolf and Gregor don't come back until the finale. But it would have been kind of cool to see them hearing the message, too. So maybe they don't join right away. But it, you know, puts that little inkling in them of, like, maybe this is something to think about in the future. Because Vizaku doesn't join them right away. He joins them because they save his life in season four. And he's like, well, I guess I'm with you guys now because I don't have anywhere else to go. And, of course, Callus can't do anything. But it would be cool to see, like, all the Imperials watching the message. And everyone just being like, raw, this Mon Mothma. And, like, Callus going back to his room and sitting down and just, like, smiling, like, yes. <laughs> um, I, I, so I thought that would be... Someday been... that'll be me. <laughs> yeah, so I just thought that would have been really cool if we got to see, like, what what would Hondo think of seeing this message? Would it be a little inkling for him to later join the Lothal rebels? So while it's really, really cool to see all the people that we've been fighting with, it would have also been really cool to see the people that that join later to see kind of like their reactions like maybe Ketsu's watching it in her ship and she doesn't say anything but she just kind of like tilts her head a little bit or go to Mandalore and watching like Sabine and her family watching the message to like touch base with them and there's not a lot of time you know it's right at the end of the episode it's the last two minutes of the episode so that would have been a lot but I would almost want to take away some of the space battle earlier to touch base with people, other people in the series that we know join later. I think that would have been a really cool kind of hint of like, oh, these maybe these people will join. And then, of course, they all join in season four. Yeah. All right, Chris, it's time for your favorite segment. All right. That's not candy. I know. Dun, 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 dun. It's time to make Chris say a nice thing about Thrawn. Okay, so things that are off the table. You can't talk about Thrawn's appearance. He never killed a character that you like. And Thrawn keeps his his office nice and tidy. And he, he's organized and has nice decorations. Those are the three things you can't use for Chris says nice mm-hmm. things about Thrawn. Thrawn, like Mon Mothma, is has very very good enunciation and he he is very clear with what he's saying okay i forgot how to spell enunciation that's not how you spell enunciation there we go enunciation and he is a clear speaker all right there we go. Chris has something nice to alter on. All right, Chris, did you have anything else for the episode? I do not. Do you want me to score it up? I'm ready for you to score it up, my friend. I gave it an eight. Oh, we're right on target with each other. An eight, good but not great. An eight, an eight, good but not great. I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. Um, like I was saying at the top of the episode, I mean... After the previous three episodes, I mean, this one's just kind of a, this is a hard act to follow. The previous three episodes are just so top-notch Rebels. Right. And this is just a really hard act to follow. Um, it's a great episode. Um, it has a lot of high action, and it's a huge historic moment for the Rebellion. It's really cool to have Mon Mothma back. I've always liked her. I was always happily surprised to see Thrawn and Ari, because I forgot they were here, so that it made me happy. 
And I love seeing the TIE Defender in action. I just have a sucker for I'm I'm a sucker for that little ship. And the ending's very powerful and beautiful. I, I didn't mention it, but I love that moment where as all the ships are coming out of hyperspace, it plays the main Star Wars theme. It's it's just a really nice moment. So I also gave it an eight out of ten. Yeah, it's like, you know, they gotta provide a little breathing room in between the dense parts of the the major story so you know well as always we would love to hear your feedback on itunes twitter or on the two true Greeks facebook page this week our feedback comes from twitter and facebook and we're doing two episodes this week we're doing feedback for an inside man and voices and visions take it away chris all right from an inside man the first one's from facebook and it comes from Paul C. Kelly. Oh, yeah. I had the same thoughts about Thrawn in this episode. His testing equipment murder didn't seem to fit with the 2017 Thrawn novel, where that Thrawn had some sort of moral compass and he had the goal of blowing up the Empire from the inside. Oh, yeah. I was going to say Timothy Zahn might have been upset with this, but where his... Whereas Act Resembled Legends Thrawn, Zahn wrote those as well, so he might have liked it. Oh, hmm. yeah. They probably checked with him, I'll bet. I'll so bet because, consulted with him. Because this is an audio medium and you guys can't hear it, I wrote part of what happened on these things for the, for the Twitter comments. All right, so the Twitter comments. Gabby sent, sent us a bunch of blue hearts. Yeah, that made our hearts total go up. And then Stacy sent us two sets of various hearts and said, me screaming. And Hope said, what made you scream? And Stacy says, Thrawn, of course. She actually and, sent a gif of Thrawn. So I was just like, okay, it's Thrawn. <laughs> so, Hope says, gotcha. I, I wasn't sure if it was for that or something else. Thrawn is always a good excuse to squeal, LOL. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a hard one to say in a bitchy voice. It's, it's too happy. Okay, just, so... Just a ow, ow, ow. This next group is, is from the Visions and Voices episode. The first one's from Twitter, from Gabby again. Ooh, I got a mention, and you just got another mention just now. I'd Hi, love Gabby. The, I hope you're doing well. I love you. <laughs> I'd love if the Night Sisters show up again to try to collect that dead on Ezra. That would be cool. That's... I, I still wonder about that because we had, uh, me and Gabby went on to I'm talk not about that in private sisters. messages. Yeah, but, I'd love to have more. Yeah, because they Ezra and, and Maul both owe a debt, a, a, a debt of blood and flesh and blood to the Night Sisters. Well, Maul's dead, so does Ezra still owe that debt? And I just I, I think we talked about it in the episode. I would just love for like if there is a rebel sequel, like he's just shown with Thrawn, and out of nowhere, like green smoke just starts showing up, and Thrawn's like. What the hell is happening? And Ezra's like, oh, yeah, I helped screwed over a bunch of witches with Maul. I forgot about that. They're coming to now take my flesh and blood. And Thrawn's like, what? (laughs) What, Excuse me? (laughs) So, yeah. This this note from Facebook, I have no idea what it's in reference to. (laughs) Have you ever never seen the Muppet movie? Oh, it's been a long time. Okay. I saw it when I was very little, and I don't really remember it. Okay. The massive hit song, The Rainbow Connection. Oh! With Kermit playing the banjo. It's playing right now in the background. 
and you okay. can't hear it because it's playing in the future when I edit it <laughs> and release it. Okay. Cause yeah. I was wondering about this. Cause, okay, I know what this is from now. I was very confused. Okay, so Gene Hendricks says, Damn it, Chris! Once you said Ray Kylo Connection, I had song lyrics pop into my head. Someday we'll find it. The Raylo Connection. The lovers, the shippers, and me. That's not getting out of my brain anytime soon, soon, soon. I give you props for saying singing that in Gene's voice. And Aaron Henley comes in with uh, all of us under its spell. It's Sith magic. Huh? Was, that's more of a Kermit voice than an Aaron Henry, Henley voice, but. There, there you go. I guess it's singing today. And then Paul C. Kelly says, I can't believe Maul outlived the Night Sisters, although he probably will not be able to possess people after death. Oh, no. The episode reminded me of Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight. I've never seen that, but I like it, the Tales from the Crypt. He left a, a link to the episode in the comments. I just didn't add it here because, again, this is an audio. Yeah, what are they? Yeah, they can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> and with Stacey and Gabby's hearts added, our hearts and happy face count for Thrawn and Ari is now up to seven. Ooh. Time to eat that candy. Ooh, so what are we doing today? We're down to three, and I know you mixed everything together, and I have not. I kept them separate. So, do you want to do the Kit Kat Minis? It's now with extra milk and cocoa. Yes. All right, so if you don't know what we're doing, Chris hates American Kit Kats like a weirdo. And our wonderful friend Dario, who I hope is being safe because he's an airline pilot and I love him to death and coronavirus. And he's in New York City. And he's in Queens and New York City. He's in like three of the major, like, Danger zones to be in for uh, for for the cornholo viral. Yeah, sorry, I'm trying to find this. Uh, there it is. Um, Dario, we love you. Please be safe. Dario is also Chris's co-podcaster for Eat and Beat It. You can hear them over there. And this week we're doing the Kit Kat Extra Milk and Cocoa, and it is from Brazil. I have to open this thing. It looks like a normal Kit Kat, but. I don't know if it's just in my head, but it, it does. It smells more chocolatey. It smells just a little more milkier and chocolatier, but I cannot tell if that's the placebo effect. It's I'm definitely got the good, the good non-American chocolate from a Kit Kat. But sorry, I'm having difficulties getting mine out of the package. There we go. Hmm. See what I mean? Yeah. If you smell it, it definitely smells more milk chocolatey. Mm-hmm. And it, it definitely has been made with the, the good chocolate. Mm-hmm. Other than that, though, it tastes like a normal Kit Kat. Mm-hmm. Mmm. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Good. This is sort of a nice classic. Mm-hmm. Mm. This is. Thank you, Dario. We love you. Please be safe in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all I have for Secret Cargo. It was nice to get a nice little breather episode after all the long episodes from the last three weeks. Yeah, yeah. Well, did you have anything else for Secret Cargo? I do not. All right, Chris, where can people find you? You can find me at twotruefreaks.com. That's our website where we list all of our podcasts, past, present, and future. 
you can find our RSS feeds there and and uh, sign up for them, or you can sign up to us uh, all our podcasts on iTunes. Ah, we are also on Facebook. We've got the Two True Freaks podcast page where we post all our shows there too, and we have the Two True Freaks Cantina, which is more of a forum for hanging out. We are also on Twitter. And there's two true freaks on Twitter, and that is run by Gene Gene, the podcasting machine. Gene. And I think that's it for me. I think that's it. Where can they find you, Hope? You can find me at JS and Jedi on Twitter. I run our Twitter account. You can also find me at Hope Molinax on Twitter. I have my website, geekygirlexperience.com, where I write all sorts of things. I'm working through Clone Wars episodes right now, so I've been writing reviews. Um, At the time of this recording, I just did the review of Deal or No Deal. Really enjoying this Ahsoka arc. Um, When I I was writing about Deal or No Deal, I actually compared it a lot to Rebels. So um, this arc reminds me just so much of Rebels in so many ways. And Rafa and Trace remind me of early, early Ezra in so many ways, too. So you can read that on geekygirlexperience.com. I also did my first Star Wars review, which is about Pixar's Onward and where the movie messed up for me. Um, of course, by the time this episode comes out, these are now a few weeks old, so you, you might have to go back a page or two to find them. But yeah, and I also write fanfiction on Archive of Our Own, and something I'm thinking about doing on my website is doing lo- readings of my fanfiction, like I've done with Lucky Leku, but I'm still contemplating that. I don't know if that's going to be a J-Guys or Jedi kind of special episodes, or if that's going to be strictly a geeky girl experience thing. So I'm pondering. I'm pondering, and I just sprung that on Chris out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, that's where you can yeah, find Yeah, make him pay for that stuff. Make him pay for the good stuff. <laughs> I, don't, well, I don't get... I don't get paid unless you want to hit the Kofi button on on my website, and I'm about to add a PayPal donation button on my website too, in case you want to pay me for stuff, which would be totally cool because I don't have a job. Yay! <laughs> Unemployment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But actually, uh, I've been talking with my friend Francine, and we're planning a lot of really cool things for Geeky Girl Experience. So. Be on the lookout for that because I'm contemplating a Facebook page for Kiki Girl Experience and uh, several other professional pages to go along with it. And we're talking merchandise for Kiki Girl Experience, so we're debate we're talking about how to move forward with that. So if you're a fan of my work over at KikiGirlExperience.com, be on the lookout because we're planning things and we're gonna see how this goes and we're gonna. It, it, I'm I'm excited. And I would I would love to have everyone support, so that'd be really cool. So Excellent. Yeah. I'm again like I like I said last week for this week's episode, I've only seen next week's episode once. All I remember from it is AP five sayings and I hated it. <laughs> that's all I remember. But like like I said at the top of the episode, that's like everyone's like favorite moment, one of like their favorite moments from all of Star Wars Rebels. And I'm I don't like, remember really? it at all. I don't remember it at all. So I don't know how I don't know how it affected me. It couldn't affected me too strongly. <laughs> yeah, all I remember is AP Five is floating in space and he's kind of like vacuum angel thing, like birds. Oh, like, I remember now. And he just very Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. 
Yeah, and so maybe I will like it because now I, I've actually read Hitchhiker. I've seen the movie and I've read the book. And so maybe I'll appreciate it more now. Um, but I just remember I hated that scene. I thought it was so stupid. And I've been in shock for years that it's like everyone's favorite scene. So, oh man. I, so it's, that's... it's more restaurant at the end of the universe or so long for thanks and thanks for all the fish, Marvin. But it's still very Marvin-like if I recall what happens in it. Yeah. So we'll we'll see if I like it more next week. We'll see because I don't remember anything else from this. We'll <gasps> is this see. the episode with all the Lobot people? I think this is the episode with all the Lobot people, if I remember correctly. I don't know. We'll see. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember either. So, all right. We'll see you next week. Next week, maybe Please. Lobots, maybe not. Please stay safe. Wash your hands. We love you. Please take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Don't hoard stuff. Be smart. Be safe. We love you. Hagoda. <laughs> no. <laughs>visit our website at two true freaks.com two true freaks is always spelled t-w-o-t-r-u-e-f-r-e-a-k-s you can email two true freaks directly at two true freaks at gmail.com two true freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on itunes and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow we have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. Dumbass. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two, Two True, True Freaks. Freaks.